To me, it tells me that Coach Fuente had Andy Dalton fall into his lap, who was just an absolute athletic gift. And if he doesn't have that fall into his lap, he can't coach him up because he's just not smart enough to coach in the ACC. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Yak Sports Podcast time. We're here to talk all things Augusta County sports. Joe Deck is with me, and let's jump into it. High school football was interesting last week. There was uh, some fun stuff going on. We were at the Riverheads Glenver game, and 38 21 the final. Some uh, podcast partner of mine, right before kickoff, said 17 point differential. Somehow he nailed that completely. But uh, it was a heck of a game. I thought a really fun high school game to watch. And by the most part, other than yes. the obvious negative, uh, everything else was, it was right. Fun. Well, other than the obvious negative, which was the injury. Yeah. Um, yes, but I, I, I'm. There was at no point I thought Riverheads was going to lose this game. I, I felt like Riverheads pretty much controlled this game. The only slight moment of doubt I had was when. Uh, the street kid planted Cycox into the ground at midfield like he was a flower um, because he just totally steamrolled him. That was the only moment. It was for a split second where I was like, whoa, Glenvar might be something. And then they got a stop after that, I think. And they too. did. So, they got a stop. Yeah, but right then Riverhead was where I was like, um. <laughs> but then Riverhead stopped them. And after yeah. that, I was kind of like, all right, this is over. Um, because Riverheads, I believe, scored on that next drive. Yeah, and they scored on that first possession. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I, I thought this was going to be real close, hard-fought game, and maybe it won't be. But that was the only thing that was seemed easy that whole night for Riverheads. Mm-hmm. Everything else, they had to work really hard for. Glenvar's a good team. Yes. They're, they're disciplined. They just didn't quite have the talent really to well outlast Riverheads. Right. Uh, we give credit to Riverheads all the time for being well coached, and we see it each and every week, and we're used to it, and so we probably take it for granted. But to see another team come in there and be well coached, it, it was it, honestly, you see teams break apart against Riverheads. They never broke mm-hmm. apart; they just got outlasted. Yeah, that that is what it was. They just got outlasted. I think you're exactly right. Uh, I was pretty impressed with Glenvard's ability to throw the ball. I know Riverheads made an adjustment there in the second half to to stop it, but for the most part, uh, I thought their quarterback was pretty good. Um, he, well, like, I mean, he was their offense. I mean, they Riverheads did a they really good job run of shutting the ball. down the run, yeah. including the guy that can run over people. Uh, they Street. did a good job. I mean, it was like 40, 50 yards they only gave up on the ground. It was not a whole lot of yards. So really the throw-in was the only thing that r- gashed Riverheads, and they, they didn't do enough to beat them. I mean, and Riverheads plays that game with teams of, hey, we're going to take away a part of your game, and you're going to have to beat us with the other, and – you know, that's what worries me about these well-balanced teams like East Rock was last year and like Glenver is a well-balanced team. They just weren't good enough to for what Riverheads is at right now. And then that was kind of my second part of the worry was, you know, where is Riverheads right now? Last year, at the beginning of the season, they weren't their best and they don't need to be. They don't need to be their best till November and December. But, uh, man, they're at a high level early this year. Yeah, and Aiden Wolk was the name of that quarterback for yeah. Glenvar. Yeah. Yep. Uh, 273 yards passing, three passing touchdowns. He had a good night. Uh, Again, it just wasn't enough. And they didn't score at all in that fourth quarter. Um, Riverheads could have made this a 24-point game if they were really hell-bent on it because they were definitely driving there on that last possession when they called off the dogs and then took some knees. 
I think they were. I, I mean, I think I think they were two plays. They were like at the twenty-five yard line, but they were two plays from scoring because Glenvar's defense had just—you could tell—they were exhausted at that point and just couldn't keep up. Uh, again, you know, I know you gave me a hard time up there because I said seventeen and not twenty-something, like I had said uh, before. Times but before, yeah. but the very first <laughs> thing I said was Riverheads would not have a game within. Riverheads would beat everyone by three scores. Seventeen is by three scores. So that's what I realized. I I had in my mind Castle was never going to kick a field goal, but then I was like, uh, he's got the kicker to do it if it's a fourth and yeah, he does. somewhat he long." And he did. Uh and yeah. they went up when they went up a field goal, I knew my 17 they, was going to be perfect. That was the that only question I had was if they would on the board there. Yeah. yeah. Because I believe that made it 24-21, didn't it? Uh no, I think it put him up no, was it up three or was it up ten? I can't remember. It was moment. to put them up three at the time. That's why we're not news reporters. We're just get on here and yap about stuff. Um, I harped on on the radio. I really was impressed with the the younger kids that they probably look at their opponents and man be like, man, I could be the man on this team. And Riverheads, I'm third deep in the running back chart. I was really proud of that Miller kid. I was really proud of the Gray kid getting big plays on defense, doing their part to help the team. Um, it, it shows the team atmosphere at Riverheads that is is a tradition there. It's it's just part of the program that kids don't get discouraged because they're not the number one running back. They find another way to contribute. And whether that's playing starting on defense or on punt block or kick returning a kick or being the punter, like they're just finding ways to contribute and get on the field and do what they can. And then hopefully at some point, you know, they have the time to have their their name in the highlights. Cause I mean, Zach Smiley is not going to relinquish. <laughs> I mean, he's just he's just the best running back in the area. Like I would put him up against anybody because he's quick, but man, he has that size and he's just impossible to bring down. I, I he's a really interesting football player, really fun to watch. I mean, he can pull away from you or he can run your butt over. So it, it's it's good. Um, this week they have another tougher game. When you look at their whole schedule, it's a tougher game. I, the more I look at it, the little bit of film that I was able to get my eyes on, I do agree with the point you made that I think Riverheads might have played their hardest game of the regular season already. They did. It was this Friday. They beat them by three scores, and they're going to pound East Rock. I just don't think East Rock has the same amount of talent that they had last year, and I think Riverheads is going to be hungry after what happened to them last year, and I think they're going to go out and they're going to send a message. So three scores or 21? 21 plus. I might even be higher by the time Friday rolls around. I'm not doubting you're right. I'm not going to actually argue with you because I I do think Riverheads, and there might be a little fire in Riverheads because not only did they get beat last year at East Rock, where where they're going again, they got shut out. And it really made people like, oh, Riverheads, you know, I think they're going to (laughs) be quick to want to shut them up. So um, I think that'll be probably the outcome. I'm saying two scores because i never really say more than that <laughs> it's gonna be three but yeah it's All gonna right. be 21 wilson, plus yeah wilson loray was a game i was really keeping my eyes on i wanted to see what came out of that game i wanted to learn more about wilson and i and i said in our pregame friday and i think i said last week on the broadcast if wilson's close in this game that really says a lot for them because i think a lot of loray you know spoiler alert i think loray is one of the most underrated teams in the area. I think they're going to win that bull district bull run district. They won the Shenandoah part of the Shenandoah two years ago. So that's not reaching up too high for them. I think they're going to do it. I think it's a team. No one's talking about that's when they get to the playoffs, they're going to 
they're going to rip off some wins in the playoffs. And so I wanted to learn more from this game about Wilson. I was happy they scored 21, so I don't think they're worse than I thought, but I don't know if they're as good as I think they could be. And so I don't know if I really learned that much more. I don't think they're the second best team in the Shenandoah district, but I'm just trying to place where are they at? Are they third? Are they fourth? Are they fifth? And I don't know if 45-21 cements any thought to me. No, I felt like they were 45th probably before, or uh, fourth uh, before. 45th. 45th out of, out of a six team (laughs) division. No, um, I thought they were fourth. I was just reading that 45. Um, (laughs) I felt like they were fourth going in and I think they're still probably fourth in my mind. Um, so who are you putting fifth? Let's see. I have Riverheads first. I have, oh, maybe I have them fifth. Um, yeah, I do. Cause I have fourth second, uh, draft third, Stanton fourth. And I think Wilson's fifth. Uh, I still think that um, after this game, because LeRae is good. LeRae pounded them like they were good. And I believe, uh, I'd have to go back and check, but I believe one of those seven points was at the very end of the game against what I would assume is probably not LeRae starters at that point. So you don't Uh, get credit for that. LeRae scored late, but I, um, I, I don't know. They were hanging around. They messed up. They were messing up on special teams, but offensively and defensively, they were kind of, doing all right there i don't know i they I, lost I, by 24 like I i'm not gonna pat them on the back i'm not gonna pat them on the back but like maybe they are you know two or three scores worse than loray just straight up and maybe that puts you third in the shenandoah district because i think loray's really good i think that's what i'm more trying to i say. think like, the two best teams i think the two best teams in class two in this region are both in the bull run district i think it's loray and clark so i'll i, I think you're probably right i think well, that's going to be your know. region championship We'll I see. I want to see more Stewart's draft before I say that. Doesn't draft play one of them? Stewart's draft plays Clark County in like two weeks. Yeah, that's what I thought. So we'll yeah. see. That'll be a fun one to break down as we're going into that. Uh, so this week, Wilson plays, um, they play Page County. And I think they're going to win that not completely easily, but I think they handle that ball game. I think they win by two two scores. Yeah. No, I don't think anything a page. I think I looked at who they had last year and who was seniors. And I, I, I think page is worse. And I think Wilson might be a little bit better, especially offensively. So I I'm giving them two scores. We'll see. I think it's going to be close. I do think Wilson will win, but I think it's going to be close. No matter what we say, you'll see is, is I just is don't right. think Wilson is <laughs> Wilson is not some explosive offense. They're not going to play Waynesboro again. Like that game's over. That's their one walkthrough game. They're not going to have another walkthrough game with the way their offense is built and their defense is porous. So I don't like their chances of blowing anyone out. They got a tough stretch coming where they play like Spotswood and I think Riverheads is the first team they see in the district. It's it's going to be a tough little stretch for them. Yeah. Uh, Fort Defiance. I was happy with what Fort Defiance did in a loss. I'm not saying I'm I'm all smiles because a win would make me all smiles. But one point loss to Liberty, a team I said, hey, they better be matching you know what? I give them credit. I think, I think they're right on that line of playoffs or not playoffs again. So I don't think they're worse than they were last year. I just don't think they're going to jump up to seven or eight wins. I just, I'm not seeing. The I didn't have them winning this game and I still have them winning seven. So I, for me, it's not out of the picture yet. I just believe they could lose a game that like maybe by record they shouldn't. 
Maybe. I just don't have the confidence in them that they, they're just going to take care of business each and every week. Basically because last week, last year, they should have beat Broadway. They should have yeah. beat Broadway, and they really didn't play a good game. So I just think that's capable for them to do again. Fort Defiance has Waynesboro. No need to spend too much time on that this week. Yeah, they're going to win. Stanton Covington played Covington was winning most of that ball game. And I was kind of getting a little worried as, as man Stanton, I think has talent on that team. I like Phillips as the new coach. I kind of look for them to not be worse than they were last year. And I, I thought, man, if they lose to Covington, that's not a good sign. Well, they woke up in the second half, ripped off 20 points. They won 20 to seven. Uh, that Zach Boyd kid is we talked about what name haven't we talked about is going to step up and be big for Stanton. Zach Boyd is one of those names. He had two interceptions and one of the late TD runs. And it's good that Stanton won this game. But like you mentioned, I think you and I both were kind of looking at each other, scratching our heads at what the heck is going on when Covington was winning that game. And Chip thought he was going to pull two up on us there for a for a while. That would have been unbearable if we had fallen two behind would have Chip. Been tough to deal with. Yeah, I would have walked out of there. Um, but luckily for us, the Stanton storm, the team we believed in came back and won, uh, and, and found a way to win that game. But like you, I think if they're struggling at Covington, I know it's their first game of the year, so maybe they're shaking off some rust or whatever. That's where I was going to go. But this, this game at home this week where we're going to be Liberty Christian, uh, comes to Stanton, that's going to be a very important game for Stanton. And I, I don't know who's going to win that yet. Um, I put. I know you put your prediction there, and you wanted mine, but I put uh, GTD for game time decision. I don't. I don't know right now. I, I still am fifty fifty on who I would pick in this. I think it's going to be a very close game, and Stanton needs to play like they did in the second half of that game, and not yeah. the first half. And and we've seen Stanton in recent years under mm-hmm. different coach be first and second half teams. I mean they they lost a game to Wilson last year, fifty to forty nine, where they just have. completely fell apart in the second half. Yeah, shouldn't have. Um. Looking back before we look forward against Covington, I do, you know, you come out a little rusty first game against a team that's already played one game, new coach, everybody, you're on the road. It smells terrible. You just, maybe you come out a little bit slow. And so I'm going to, I'm going to look at that and give it credit that they just came out a little slow. And that second half team is closer to what we'll see the rest of the way. So I'm picking Stanton this week, a close game. If it goes the other way, I wouldn't be shocked, but I'm picking Stanton. Liberty Christian, a three and seven team last year. And I know they get, you know, not recruited kids, but recruited kids. You get kids that coming in there. It's a private school. Yes, they're playing in the VHSL, but it's a private school. So you might, I might not, it might not be the same kind of measuring stick that I apply to every other team. That's, you know, a public school, but I'm picking Stanton. I just think home opener Dodd's going to be going. I'm picking them. I also don't think they graduated that much at Liberty Christian though. So, I mean, Draft was three and seven. Look what they're doing. That's true. That's very true. Speaking of draft, they played Waynesboro. It was a whooping as expected. Uh, Aaron Nice, sophomore, keeps tearing it up. He's good. Um, I think you and I both knew he was going to be good. Yeah, I think you and I both knew he was going to be good coming into the season. He hasn't disappointed. 42 to nothing. Waynesboro's given up, what, 83 in two games and scored none. So, yep. Not a good recipe there in Waynesboro, but draft, uh, they're going to play Covington next. I I agree with what you put full control. You have them by 20. i somewhere in the 14-21 range. Preview, uh, loosely a preview of a stat that I'll give out Friday, but Waynesboro, the last time they had been shut out two games in a row was like 2003, 
and they had actually lost three in a row then. But the point total was pretty similar to what they just did in two games. So not a good start for that team. Uh, listen Friday for the entire stat. Uh, Shorts draft this week, they have Covington. So that, I think, is a really interesting game for a team that I think is going to, from the beginning, have thought was going to probably be that next best team in the Shenandoah, the one that maybe could challenge Riverheads, but probably would have control of the second best. As Stewart's draft was my pick. They're playing a team that Stanton just played last week and back-to-back weeks. I think there is a, a comparison you can look at after this week gets done. Uh, so I'm going to be interested to see how those scores come in. I think draft kind of rolls in that game. Maybe not 42 nothing, but they control I said, it. And don't worry. Yeah, I said you have full control by 20. I think it's 14 to 21, somewhere in there. Yeah. There you go. Battle so, of Cougars. Uh, and that is at draft. So that's uh, the other. So the Covington Cougars are on the road to play the Stewart's draft Cougars. Yeah. Cougars yeah. are going to win for sure. When I was playing in high school, I'm, we played Stewart's draft and Covington in back to back weeks. And I was just like, I mean, one of these weeks we won't play a Cougar. Uh, Buffalo Gap, Perry McClure happened. Uh, Buffalo Gap played football. <laughs> What was interesting there in the 48 nothing demolishing of Perry McClure was we knew Karakoff, we knew uh, Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. Hildebrand was the other name that showed up that that had big yardage for him. I think he had over 150 yards, a score or two. Like that's, that's the next weapon that we were kind of waiting to see who it was going to be out of that offense. I think some of those questions about offensive line play and, and this and that didn't get answered there because Perry McClure is not very good. Buffalo Gap's defense, they shut them out. What more can you ask for? I don't know if it's a it's a, a poster on the wall about it, but, hey, you did what you're supposed to do. When they get to some harder opponents, that's not happening this week, we'll start judging their defense more. But Bath County isn't going to put up a bunch of points against Buffalo Gap, and that doesn't matter if Gap's defense is good or not. So that's what I have there, Gap a whooping on, uh, on Bath County there. Over at Bath County. They're going to kill Bath. Bath's not good. No, they aren't. I can't believe they made the playoffs last year. That's that's well, just by so, rules. Someone has to. Something wrong with America. Um, I just think I, I'm looking forward to this week because I, I I really like what I'm focused on. Obviously, Riverheads East Rock. Just see if Riverheads is just stays at a high level. I mean, if they beat East Rock worse than you know the two scores that I say or the three score, like if they really start to put it on them, like man, that's scares me because they write their name on the trophy gets on do it now put their name on the trophy <laughs> they're gonna play the 2a champion they're not even gonna play chillawi <laughs> or whatever goof school comes out of the south because they're gonna get sacrificed no need to play the game and have some kid get hurt just play the 2a team it'd be cool if something if a different challenge could arise or i, I what would be like something that legitimately could happen i would just like another single a school to like look really good. I don't know who that's going to be. I haven't seen a team that's jumped off the page of me yet. Galax barely beat Glenver last week, so I don't think it's Galax is going to just be monumentally better. They're a well-coached team, well, though. That will but that's get the second-best team in Class 1, according to a lot like of people. I see one of these teams just all of a sudden be dominating people so we could kind of have something to build to because it it is everybody up looking at Riverheads right now, that's for sure. But the other game I want to look at, that Stuart Strap Covington game, I just want to use it as a measure and stick because Stant was another team we all talked about. Could they be that second-best team? I think this week might prove that there's a good separation between Stanton and Stuart Strap. I agree. High school volleyball, a lot of good volleyball in the Shenandoah district. I know it's all non-district right now, and 
level of opponent can vary. Wilson's 4-0, Riverheads is 3-0, Fort Defiance is 7-1, and they might be the most impressive team. Uh, just a lot of good uh, good teams there. Stewart's Draft's 1-1. One one. They have, just haven't got that many games in yet. Uh, and their um, one loss is to Harrisonburg, who's no slouch. Yeah, so... And they, pu- it, they pushed them five sets. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Riverheads, I'm sure I'll get to see them here before long. Abby Evers is doing a good job killing the ball. Dayton Moore assisting. I'm, I'm anxious to see that team. You know, that's a team that's gone to state championship. They played late in the season a lot of years. Here they are playing this schedule. I think when they play Fort Defiance, it's going to be a much must-see uh, match. Uh, Wilson games with all those three it will be interesting too. Uh, so it'll be fun. I want to see Riverheads. I want to see, you know, Abby Evers going up against the Trainum girl, uh, the Goggin girl from Fort Defiance, uh, who I'm related to. And uh, then you got Painter assisting, Atkins digging. So I'm going to be interested in that game. There'll be one player on Fort I'm rooting for, and then I'll be rooting for Red uh, nonetheless. So. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're going to root against your family. That's mm. – Oh, I had a cousin uh, – uh, cousin, we'll, we'll just leave it there. I won't get any more detail. You'll know who I'm talking about. But she played uh, basketball for Buffalo Gap, so it, it tore me up watching her. Because and it was like, and you're a closet Gap fan. Say it again. You're a closet Gap fan. So well, how I is am it... a closet Gap fan. That's true. Why but does yeah, it bother you? My, if all my family could just go to Riverheads and make oh it all easy, those gosh. kids that came to Riverheads, it was just natural. But uh, gritting my teeth at some uh, Buffalo Gap games and some other schools games, it, it's, it's tough. So. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, when, when when the Riverhead Sport game comes around, I'll talk to you because I do think that'll be a good one I'm to watch. Going. Just because Ford is Ford looks really really good, and so does Riverheads. Oh, yeah. And Wilson's going to be another one because Wilson lost a lot, but this is a team that started out four and zero, so uh, they've West got my attention as well. I'm excited when these teams start playing each other because yeah. out of district, these Shenandoah district teams are pretty much rolling. Yeah, they're doing great. The top is really doing great. I mean, even Stanton, I'm not even mentioning them. Stanton they're is six, six and three. three. Yeah, that's yeah. not bad. I mean, they're beating Stonewall and Waynesboro last week, which isn't as good. But they got Western this week, and that'll be interesting because mm. that's a team that Wilson Morial beat three to two, a five game match there. So that'll be a another one of those entering, interesting uh, measuring stick games. Waynesboro's not doing very well. I know in the past they've done well. This year, again, having a tough go at it. Um, I know you're friends with the coach. Yeah, it's a fairly young team again, so uh, it just is what it is there, and it might be a theme for Waynesboro Athletics this year is just growing pains. The match of the week for volleyball is going to be Fort Defiance playing Rockbridge. That's the team Fort Defiance has already lost to this year. Uh, I'd love to see Fort go in there, or I guess it's a home game. It's a home match. Get a Rockbridge uh, win. That would be incredible. That's That's a team they just cannot get past. Uh, Rockbridge, very tough program. 3C is is tough, but uh, this is kind of Fort's, you know, it's going to be one of their last chances to really be up against top 3C competition until the playoffs come. It'd be nice to get a win here to kind of g- give yourself momentum to remember when you get back to playoffs. Sure. Uh, Wilson is 3C, are they not? Oh, yeah, 3C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget that Wilson <laughs> yeah. jumped up. Good, good call. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. They haven't been, so I, I'll... Right. I'll, no, I'll, I made that mistake a while. I made that mistake a few <laughs> weeks ago, and you corrected me. I was like, did they get de- <laughs> declassified as a two again? No, they're up in three. But, yeah, yeah it, it, and that makes it even more interesting when those two get together sure. in district play. All right. College football. I'm not going to give you time to rant this week, but... Virginia Tech didn't do anything again for, and, and I said this last week, Virginia Tech couldn't do anything this week to change my mind on what I was feeling about them last week. 
They won a game. They didn't dominate. I would have liked them to have just blown them out of the water. They, it just seemed like they played around with them. We see the same mistakes. At least Willis didn't turn the ball over is about the only positive. False. He did turn the ball over. He fumbled at the end and they took him out because of, you know, they were worried he might be injured and whatever. I Um, I did forget about that, but yeah, he, he turned it over again, a minus six turnover differential. And let me tell you, Leland, the one thing that bothers me from this is just the apologists are already out. I mean, they're already like, well, hey, guys, we won the game. What's the problem? The problem is we beat ODU by 14 points, you chucklehead. Florida State won a game this weekend, too. And you're, you, what's yeah, the problem all the there? Virginia Tech fans, you and I talked about this on the ride to watch another we'll uh, athletic event we'll talk about here in a little bit. But it's like I told you, all the Virginia Tech fans laughing at Tennessee and Florida State, don't laugh too hard because that's us in another year or two if we let Fuente hang around. I don't make fun of anybody right now. I don't care who it is because we're, I have nothing to stand on and with Virginia Tech. Let me ask you how you feel about this because this comment, this kind of comment drives me bananas. It's from the older part of the fan base that, you know, is old enough to remember when Virginia Tech wasn't going to bowl games. And they're like, well, guys, I mean, you don't remember what it used to be. I'm like, yeah, and I don't want to know. Like, I, yeah. we are better than that. We have moved on. That is not we, the America that we want great again. Yeah. Where Virginia Tech is terrible. At yeah, well, we don't guys, if the Bull Street gets broken, <laughs> it's not the worst thing in the world. Yes, it is, because that is the only semblance of relevance you hold on to is you have the longest active Bull Street in the country. Don't blow that. Which, yeah, I mean, when Texas had <laughs> UNC that, record, looks good. They so loved it. When, I'm scared. When Florida State, yeah, they did look good. When Florida State had the longest Bull Streak, whether it didn't count or did with people with wins being taken oh away, gosh, they yeah. cared about it. So yeah. if Texas and Florida state care about their bowl streak, we ought to care about our boy street. So I agree. I'm not one of the people that I, I wanted to stick around. I was glad we grasped hold of it last year and did what we had to do to, to maintain it because, and you still have that bowl streak in five, six years. No one's going to remember that you played Marshall on the first weekend of December. You can have the bowl streak. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried. A minus six turnover differential <laughs> through two games. is not good. I was worried last week. Like I said, nothing changed. UVA beat William and Mary. If you're a UVA fan and you're listening to this and you cared about what that score was Friday, just why you, you gotta, you gotta learn that you're, te- you're better than this. Uh, and, and I don't like it. I am against UVA being good, but man, you're good. Like you, you have expectations. If you're going to win the ACC or your side of it, you don't need to worry about William and Mary and know what your team did on Friday night. They didn't worry about William and Mary. They knocked him out of the stadium. It just didn't matter. They sent London packing again. It just didn't matter. So I, you and I know who we're talking about. You just don't need to worry about <laughs> William and Mary. This isn't a UVA program that loses to one double A anymore. Also, That's don't be worried about right next week. Florida State is you're better than Florida State. Florida State yes. is garbage. Yes. Willie, the only thing that's interesting about Florida State right now is, is their coach going to survive the season? And I think I I saw on Twitter, and I'm not trying to go after anybody, but I think it's a conversation point. So, hey, Jeff, we're going to talk about you for a second. You were talking about game day, potentially coming to Charlottesville. They know Florida State's terrible. They were never going to be coming for that game. Yeah. Because Florida State is garbage. And you just don't have the home schedule this year for for Florida State to come. Or for For game game day. day to come. So looking, I looked at the home schedule. You just don't have the games. You play everybody that's tougher on the road. 
maybe you can get game day to one of your games on the road, which is still a pretty good thing. That's still national attention on your game. You're a part of it. You get the extra interviews, all that. But you're just not going to get it in Charlottesville this year. Maybe next year, if you go win this side of the ACC next year, all those hard teams in the ACC are coming to you. So you, that would be probably what you're looking for. It's just not going to happen this year from the schedule I'm seeing. That's my opinion. I look at that Notre Dame game. Uh, if you're going to get game day involved in one of your games at Notre Dame, 928, I, that's a possibility. The problem is Notre Dame plays Georgia the week before. So if game day's not at that game, Notre Dame might have lost by then and they won't want to be there the next week. Yeah. And I'm not sure game day goes to Notre Dame, Georgia, just because it's on CBS, I believe. And sometimes ESPN is kind of funny about doing games on different networks. Um, but oh, I, Notre Dame is done at Alabama, LSU. They've the done time. it before, but they're kind of funny if there's another game that is semi interesting that is on their network. Um, and I'd have to look I at the hear rest you, of this. But they do it like three or four times a year. Uh, what I'm going to tell because you is Kirk, Notre Dame's not going to be Kirk relevant. They're not. They're not doing UVA, Notre Dame, because okay. Notre Dame's going to get sacrificed in that game. Georgia's going to dog walk yeah. them. Yeah, I I agree with that. All right. Um, so Jeff, we disagreed with you, uh, and I meant to comment on Twitter. I was just wrapped up in other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, JMU beat St. Francis 44-7. They took care of business. Yeah. Uh, um, that's what you got? Yeah, I put an abbreviation that you can get out of St. Francis University that is not safe for the podcast. But I, I saw people. I think that that speaks for itself. Yeah. yeah, I saw people like celebrating this, and I was like, <laughs> speaking of games that don't matter, St. Francis. I think they were celebrating like the the beginning of beer sales in Bridgeport. Who I think that's what the celebration cares. Was. <laughs> Let me tell you, like, oh, how come the students didn't stay for the whole game? Because it's St. Francis. Look, old man, just because you don't like college football (laughs) and like watching JMU play doesn't mean other people do. Get a life and watch Clemson versus Texas A&M or LSU Texas instead of staying for four quarters to watch JMU beat the bejesus out of a team that Riverhead's JV team could outrun on the field. They were horrible. I had no awareness of this game. St. Francis is offensive (laughs) to football. They are offensive to the sport of football. I think by the end of Saturday, I knew JMU had won a football game. I had no idea who they, I couldn't remember who they played. I didn't have any idea what the score was. I just had no awareness of it because it was that much of a whooping. Nobody didn't even talk about it. Texas A&M Clemson. Clemson just controlled that game. And I'm going to lump them together. LSU, Texas. LSU took care of business there. Now, Texas was kind of dancing around that game and and made things happen and did what they could. But I think both teams, the losing teams, I I actually didn't look up the rankings, but their rankings shouldn't fall off the deep end because that's just two better teams that beat solidly good teams, but they they just got beat by the better team. Yeah, um, both teams. And loss was embarrassing. No, both teams dropped. I'm going to pull it up now while I'm talking to you, but I think Texas dropped further than... Texas A&M and they'll be able to take care of their own business they go undefeated the rest of the way win that big 12 beat Oklahoma maybe twice like mm-hmm. it, they'll they'll False. be where they want to be Texas A&M dropped four spots to 16 and Texas dropped three to 12 um that's fine I still think Texas is in a position like you said they're still in a position to do what they want to do I, this is the A&M only thing that bothered me A&M's going to be done <laughs> but it's not going to be A&M's a bad team if they lose four games this year because let me tell you the four they could be playing they already play Clemson, who's number one. They're going to play Alabama because they're in the SEC West, who's number two. 
they're going to play Georgia at some point this year because that's who they drew out of the SEC East in an unlucky draw. That's number three. They got to play LSU because they're in the West, and that's number yeah. four. So they could have four losses to teams that are right now at the top four. I they mean, could really be the hell best of a draw, team nation which is easily. why Leland, and I don't know if you saw this part, but they had some kid on there after the, and I, the media is talking to him about the heartbreaking loss they had against Clemson last year. And, you know, are you guys looking for revenge? And he's like, oh, I don't look at our schedule and see any games. I don't see us losing any games on our schedule. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's weird because I see you losing three. And then the LSU game happened, and I was like, check that, four. I mean, I guess I just want, want the say? kid to say, to say, I just don't want him to be stupid. That's all. Yeah, we're going to lose some games. I don't. No, just say we're going to try really hard, and we think we can beat them. You can say we think. Just don't tell me, I don't see us losing a game. Be like, oh, okay, well, let me... Sorry, reality is going to check in. You're going to lose four, and you're not going to be relevant. People wonder why some people don't want their players talking to coaches. Yes. Michigan versus Army happened. Army's your team. It's it's Joe's Army team is how I phrase it. They gave Michigan all of it. Two overtimes they took them to. They nearly won that game. It oh, was that 50-yard awesome. field goal I was, was close, too. I was ready for you to be right with Army. I was just I was cheering them on. That 50-yard field goal was so close at the end of regulation. Oh, that was heartbreaking when he missed it. Um, yeah, Michigan ends up winning in double overtime and celebrating like they won the Big Ten, which they definitely won't because Ohio State's going to get a hold of that pony show and just beat the snot out of them. I'm going to enjoy it. Um, but the question I have for you, Leland, are you finally ready to admit that Army is better than Virginia Tech? I don't have to admit it, so I won't. I'll just say, I'll just phrase it that way. <laughs> because they are. Okay. They, Michigan, or Army took Oklahoma to the limits last year. And they were better than Virginia Tech last year, too. They went on and won their conference. I went back and looked at things after we talked yesterday a little bit about this. So I think Michigan could regroup. They get plenty of challenges throughout the season to prepare them for Ohio State. If they get better as the season goes on, they can still win this Big Ten. I'm not rolling them out for that. I don't feel confident about my pick that they're going to win the Big Ten. They play Wisconsin this week. I picked them, too. Or not, not this week, but next week. All right, so this week, and I think we've said most of these, Virginia Tech plays Furman. That might as well be an exhibition game because it really means Who nothing. The cares? wind doesn't even help us. Uh, UVA plays Florida State on ACC Network, so a lot of people won't be able to see it. JMU plays Morgan State. I'm not sure which direction Morgan is. It wasn't in my geography class. So, hey, it's on the Flow Network. So Great. the progressive girl can tell you what happens in that game. Good. And you know what, JMU uh, fans complaining you don't get the Flow Sports Network? Good. We don't deserve to be on TV when we play teams like this. Hey, they played West Virginia last week, and a lot of people took a lot of positives away back from, hey, we hung with uh, D1. West Virginia looked terrible against (laughs) Missouri. It might mean nothing that they they hung with West Virginia. Yeah, but that's a game that does deserve to be on TV. St. Francis shouldn't have been on TV and Morgan state isn't on TV, which thank goodness. Was it on TV? What was St. Francis on TV? It was on Comcast Sportsnet, Washington. Oh, that hardly counts. Uh, game day is TV. going to Iowa state, Iowa. That's we had the game day talk. Um, that's where they ended up going. It's not, you know, a real se- as sexy of a matchup that you would expect for game day to be at, but it's still a solid little matchup. Game day <laughs> does reach out every so often. I believe that game, I mean, that's not the game Herb Street's calling on Sunday night. So that goes to my theory that it they'll go where they want to on Notre Dame, Georgia, when that comes. All right. Well, let's talk. Go also, ahead. let's let's address the elephant in the room. It was like option C. 
Stanford oh, yeah. lost. Syracuse, Syracuse lo- got killed by Maryland, which was going to be option A with Clemson and Syracuse. Syracuse, a team that has beaten Clemson two years ago, gave them all they could handle in Death Valley last year. And then uh, Stanford lost to UCF, which I think was the only one they even entertained other than that. And then Stanford, you know, lost to USC. Uh, yeah. But then, yeah, so now it's Iowa State, Iowa. And that's usually where JMU cool. gets to, swoops in and tries to grab one. <laughs> yeah, but we're playing Morgan State. So you don't get yeah. game day when you play Morgan State. Which which state is Morgan? I think they're in Tennessee. Hey, hey they might be the best team in Tennessee. All right. Oh. So uh, <laughs> Major League Baseball. Red Sox fired their president of baseball operations. So uh, not only you and I with our picks were wrong about how good the Redskins uh, Red Sox would be this year. Uh, they're they're mad with their president. They got rid of them. So um, they they have no path to the postseason, and they're just cleaning house now. That's fine. Please don't hire Mike Elias. <laughs> I'll just die on the inside. I'll just embrace the darkness. The little bit of hope that I have for the yeah, Orioles. No, the Orioles, I look into the future and I'm like, yeah, I see a path. I see what we're doing. I see the goal. If we lose the architect of the goal, there's no point in any of this. <laughs> and a grim outlook on life from Joe. So you guys are 46 and 97. Hey, you have a winnable series at the end of the week. You play the Tigers. Yeah, I kind of hope the Tigers win, but why? What difference does it make? Why would you want that? I don't know. You know what? I don't. I hope we beat the Tigers <laughs> just so I can tag John Heyman in every tweet when we win. I, it's the only team you're better than, and it's only by... I haven't seen John Heyman tweet in a couple weeks, so he must not be talking about the Orioles, or he blocked he, me. I don't know. He must have heard you, yeah. The Nats went 5-5. Five and five. Uh, They maintained their, their grasp of the upper wild card. Pittsburgh's terrible. Um... This team is not built for the postseason, though. Nats aren't? No. I wish Scherzer could get back to right, but you get to see him coming up, right? Uh, Yeah. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, it should be fun. All right. I, was, I, was, I wish when I went to that Nats-Braves game early this season, that was Scherzer pitching. I like him a lot. Let's He's go Braves. one of my favorite players that isn't on one of my teams that I've had in a while. I'll be secretly rooting for the Braves, unless I'm in a Braves section, and then I'll just be outwardly rooting for the Braves. I hope Scherzer pitches a no hitter, and you have to you have to flip it in oh the seventh inning. Gosh, yeah, right. They're gonna pull him, and then they're gonna bring in that great bullpen. That's not. That's why they're not built for the playoffs. Their bullpen is yikers. Everybody has a bad. Although bullpen. you know what, good uh, good for that Barrett guy who came in. I think it was the first time he pitched in like three or four years and pitched a scoreless inning. He had a lot of injuries and worked his way back, and that was yeah, really cool good. to see. Good for him. Yeah. All right, NFL got going. Skins we'll talk a lot more about here coming up, but they lost to the Eagles after looking good early. They have the Cowboys next week. That's always a big matchup. Your Ravens, we can we can step on this for a minute. I, hey, you beat the Dolphins. Who cares? But man, you won fifty nine to ten, and your offense looked great. I mean, any resemblance of that going forward, and you guys are going to pick up a lot of wins. Yeah, we're playing the Dolphins, so you kind of have to, like you said, you have to bring that to reality a little bit. But I'll be honest, I didn't think Lamar Jackson was going to throw five touchdown passes over the first two games. So he did it in one. And he hit his receivers when he needed to. So that's something else I didn't think he was poss- that was possible of doing. It looks like he's improved his passing game. I want to see him do it multiple weeks and not just a one-week wonder. Uh, we played the Dolphins one year. Uh, maybe It wasn't last year, I don't think. I think it was two years ago when we lit them up 
uh, again. And, you know, Joe Flacco was the quarterback, and everybody was like, oh, where's all the people blaming the passing now? And I'm like, well, we're playing one of the worst teams in the NFL. So, I mean, I do think when the Ravens supporters that have supported Lamar Jackson want to rub it in everyone's face, I'm like, let's see what happens in week two. But yeah, and when you start playing some We're playing the Cardinals. Too. The Cardinals aren't very good either, so we should be able to beat the Cardinals. But I will say this. I loved everyone else in the AFC North losing. That was delish, especially the Cleveland loss. That was unexpected. The Steelers losing to the Patriots, um, the fashion they lost was surprising, but the fact that they lost wasn't. Um, I'll, I'll grant you that. I uh, will stay there. The I... I turned it off. I couldn't take it. It's just <laughs> we stink against the Patriots, and it drives me crazy. And I think I made the statement earlier in the day of it. If Antonio Brown was active for that game, I don't know if I'd even cut it on. And then when I how early I cut it off in that game made me, yeah, I probably wouldn't have watched this. Like, I probably wouldn't have done this to myself because I just can't watch them lose to the Patriots anymore. I know when they get in the playoffs or they even face them, I'll watch it then. But, man, these regular season ones hurt too. So, I mean, just just not good. I thought the defense should be better. It That didn't appear to be the case. The offense not looking great. Patriots do that to us. So losing the game really isn't even a surprise. I know I picked us to win in the pickums, and we can make fun of each other for that, but I, I'm a homer. But, man, 33-3 is really disappointing, but I, I don't think it's a lie on showing the separation between what those two teams are right now. Now, 16 weeks later, it might be closer, but right now Pacers is in a much better place. It's one week. I, people need to that's not a great panic. Point. That's a good point. It's one and that, week. But that's my point too. You get better over the season and 16 in week, 16 weeks. I'm not probably going to be as down about the Steelers, but just Pats are ready to go this season. And they have, they're adding people. They have guys injured that are going to get back. They're ready to go. They're, they're rolling on, all the cylinders they have Steelers got to figure themselves out. And so there's different places right now. Yeah. I just think, I mean, too many people were reading too much into week one when you hear some of these, and I know it's the overreaction Monday is called overreaction yeah. Monday for a reason or overreaction Friday. The people just dismissing the bears, the bears are garbage. They're not going to be any good. I'm like, it's week one. Let's wait, wait and see. Oh, that game. Yeah, I, don't I, get me I, wrong. I love the Cleveland Browns lost. I love it. Do I think that means the Cleveland Browns are dead? No. No. That, what was it? How many teams made the playoffs? 12? It was like seven of the 12 playoff teams from last year lost week one. Like, that's more than half. So, like, that absolutely backs that fact up. I just, I guess it's a, it's a Steelers-Patriots thing that I'm digging at, not a Steelers are terrible and won't win any. I just, I hate watching them play the Patriots. I hate the darn Patriots. Well, that's, that's going to be a, at. yeah, and like you said, that will be a problem because to get to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to go through the Patriots. Yeah, we're, we're probably not going to make the Super Bowl. Hopefully the Chiefs can beat them. Antonio Brown, I, I don't want to just dwell on this because, I mean, everybody has their opinion of Antonio Brown. I believe Good Morning America covered it. I think the ladies in The View had it covered. I don't think people need our opinion. That's obvious. The guy's a, a clown and I don't know. I'm starting to think this was all planned. I'm starting to think he wanted to be on the Patriots moment, in the worst way. Did you watch any way. moments of the Oakland Raiders hard knocks? No, because hard knocks is fake. That guy is not some diabolical genius. This isn't the Joker from Batman. I'm going to laugh if he is calm, cool no. and collected in new England. I'm going to laugh. 
He this was not orchestrated to the nth degree. Now, maybe he got some advice on how to get the heck out of there once he had already started paving the road. Maybe he did, but he had to go get advice from somebody. He didn't just do it on his own. This guy is no just major planner of what he's doing. Like this, that's not what's happening. You know what? I think he wants to watch the world burn. I don't think he knows how to light a match. And maybe that's what I'll root for. Maybe I'll root to watch the world burn this, this year, because I really, despite the 59 to 10 shellacking of the dolphins and the fact that we got a game up on everybody in the division, I still don't think we're going to the playoffs. And if we're not going to the playoffs and I'm not going to be happy, I don't want anyone to be happy. Let's go Patriots. Let's do it. (laughs) That was like, the closest I ever have been to cursing at you on this podcast. <laughs> this week, the interesting game coming for me, Saints-Rams. Yes. Uh, that's the afternoon game on Fox. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I mean, it should just be offense like crazy. That brings up my topic. Drew Brees, no doubt Hall of Famer. Yeah. When in the la- When in his career was he the best quarterback in the league? When was he the best quarterback in the league? I'd say you can make an argument when he won his Super Bowl over the Colts. I think you could have made a case that he was the best quarterback in the league. Maybe. Maybe at best. You can look at all during his time. Tom Brady's been the best quarterback. Aaron Rodgers has had time as the best quarterback. Probably on the front side, you're still looking at like a Brett Favre. Um, Peyton Manning has been the best quarterback during his career. And when it, I know it's two different sports, but in baseball, all the time people talk about, are they Hall of Famer? Were they the best player in their position and and honestly that starts knocking guys out pretty quickly um i don't think i would have ever made the argument i never would have personally made the argument drew Brees was the best player i think he's had some good seasons but it seems like he's always over gotten overshadowed in those seasons by a better playing quarterback and i think that's interesting he's a he's a no doubt hall of famer i'm not trying to say he's not a hall of famer i just don't think he's ever i think he's He's always played second fiddle to somebody else. Okay. I mean, the NFL Hall of Fame is not as hard to get into as the MLB Hall of Fame either. Curtis Martin is in the Hall of Fame. I mean, when was Curtis Martin the best running back ever? Never. That's a good point. I just, I thought that was, I was thinking about it while I was watching ads for the games. And so, uh, I just thought that was an interesting thing to think about with Drew Brees on how good he is and the records he owns. I mean, it's, it's him and Peyton Manning own the top of the record books. That's, that's who it is. And then, Tom Brady's got some specific ones otherwise, but um, I just think during the majority of his career, Peyton Manning was better or, or uh, Tom Brady. So yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there was a couple of years there not so long ago that we were talking Aaron Rodgers was best player, best quarterback. Maybe you were, I wasn't, (laughs) I didn't think he was better than Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, but um, I, yeah, I guess when Curtis Martin got in, that was the first time. Like before that, I guess I had never paid attention to who got in, who didn't in the NFL Hall of Fame. But when Curtis Martin got in, I was like, really? Like he's good, but Hall of Fame? And that's why I like looked at the MLB it's Hall like of the Fame. I was like, of yeah, Hall of Fame. no, exactly. And Harold Bain is, <laughs> has brought my brought me questioning the MLB Hall of Fame. But that that's more of a problem about it. the second way to get into the Hall of Fame, which is basically who you know. Um, to get in, not how good you were. Like it should, that should really be the only way. If you can't get in with 75%, who cares? You don't belong. All right. Skins fans, keep listening. We got the segment for you coming next. (laughs) 
All right, next on the Exports Podcast, we have Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch, and he's here to talk all things Redskins. Michael, thanks for jumping on with us. And there are all things. There are lots of things to talk about. <laughs> well, we, we, then we got a while to, to talk here, but <laughs> thanks, thanks anyway for coming on here. Um, I guess it's hard to just jump in without focusing on the game that just happened. They looked good early. Uh, talk about that game. Talk about what looked good, and then and then what cost them the win. Yeah, everything that was everything you'd want to see from the team in the first half. The defense was holding Deshaun Jackson in check. The offense had, you know, was moving the ball, getting those big chunk plays that they, they lacked last year. Terry McLaurin, the wide receiver, huge breakout game for him, which you love to see, obviously, as a rookie. Um, and then in the second half, the exact opposite of all that. Everything we saw last year that caused uh, this to crumble. So defensively, miscommunication in the secondary, giving up big plays. Uh, offensively, uh, just couldn't get anything going. Lots of penalties, man, lots of penalties. That's something that's going to be a big focus going forward. There was a stretch in that third quarter when the offensive line had five penalties in the course of 10 plays. And I don't care if you're Vince Lombardi, you're not moving the ball down the field uh, if you get penalized every other play. Well, uh, now we're looking overall sense on the team. I mean, some good quarterback play yesterday, but I mean, Haskins is the future of that organization. You take out that high talk about that quarterback position and kind of the outlook as it sits now. Yeah, absolutely. Case Keenum, I, I, the numbers are very good. I thought the performance was fine. Um, I would probably draw a distinction there. Um, huh. Haskins is the future. That's unquestioned. Um, you know, it, they're going to wait for him to be ready. And I, I think how long that takes is a product of how well Case Keenum does. It, to me, the magic number is two of the first five. I think he's got to be two and three out of the first five games to continue to get to quarterback this team. If he's one and four, uh, game six is, is against Miami and Miami. Uh, I guess everybody knows by now that's a team that uh, uh, they are tanking, um, and they are tanking very successfully after one game. Um, <laughs> so if you were going to put Dwayne Haskins in, great opportunity to do that road game, not much pressure team he can probably beat. Um, that said, if, if Keenum can get to two, if he can beat two and three, I think that'll buy him a ticket for, for a few more weeks at least and, and Haskins a few more weeks of development, which would be good for him. Um, you know, everybody saw uh, the preseason highlights, and he certainly did very well. Um, I, I, I think that just having a full grasp of the NFL and the offense, it, it would serve him very well to not be in until midway through the season or maybe even a little later. One thing I've noticed about this quarterback, this draft pick, is, you know, when RG3 was drafted, everybody was all in from the very start. Everybody was going crazy. Everybody was buying the jerseys and the T-shirt. It seems like it's a little more level-headed this time. I think everybody's all in with him, but it doesn't seem like the hype is quite as much. What, what do you feel in, you know, covering the team? Yeah, I would agree with that. Obviously, RG3 was special, but I think everybody's remembering that and remembering being a little bit burned by that and, and the way that ended and approaching this a, a little bit more cautiously. I, I would say also there's probably more excitement about all the weapons around him uh, with RG3. You had, a, you had a little bit more going on uh, than you do right now. That said, I, I think when he, when he gets in, when he's starting, and certainly if he's winning, I think that bandwagon will pick up some folks pretty quickly. Um, there were there were also, you know, he wasn't the number two consensus overall pick. He was a guy who, you know, slid to him midway through the first round, had only played one year of college football, uh, so didn't have the hype, the Heisman, all those things. Um, I, I just think Redskins fans are very cautious in general right now. And 
uh, I could see why it's an organization that, that let them down over the past two decades. All right, let's talk about defense. I mean, an important uh, for any football team, but it's important for the Redskins to be productive off on defense there as, you know, offense tends to be up and down with them. Talk about defense and, and kind of the outlook on them as the season goes on and, and who they have. Yeah, well, they're very talented personnel-wise. You know, Josh Norman, Levin Murhaney, the good NFL cornerback. Landon Collins, very good at the safety position. You go up front, big names. Ryan Kerrigan, obviously. Montez Sweat, the rookie, is very good. Um, and then that defensive line is the strength of the team. Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis, uh, and Tim Settle of Virginia Tech. That, you know, those are four guys who start anywhere in the NFL. It, it's a really good unit. That said... Uh, you know, playing the Eagles week one, that's a well-coached team. And they really did kind of give you the game plan a little bit on, on how you're going to beat these guys. They, they went into uh, four wide receiver formations. They spread it out um, so that the Redskins couldn't get their full defensive line in there. You know, they had to be a nickel formation. Uh, and, and then, you know, of course, downfield, they took advantage of a Redskins secondary that did not play up to expectations. I think people still expect this to be a great defense. I think it still will be. A, a great defense ultimately, um, but but definitely some warning signs there on Sunday. Michael, uh, I wanted to talk about you, I mean, and talk to you about this team because I've got a lot of friends that are Redskin fans, obviously, in this area, and some of them are doom and gloom. One of them in particular is not, and I kind of tend to be on his side of this. I mean, I'm not saying the Redskins are going to the playoffs, but to me, Case Keenum is very similar to Alex Smith, and Alex Smith had this team leading the division when he got hurt uh, and then Colt McCoy gets hurt right after that. So it, it's almost immediate. You go from first to third string. Is it crazy to say, and I know they lose week one in kind of an embarrassing fashion after being up big, but is it insane to say that there is a path for the Redskins to not be a dumpster fire? Like everybody tries to make them out to be. <laughs> That's the ultimate Joe phrasing of a question there. <laughs> that, that's a good way to put it there. Yeah. It, uh, the playoffs isn't the goal. Respectability is the goal. Um, well, I, I would start with this. I think the giants are terrible. Um, I, I think they could be third place in the NFC. So I, I don't think they're as good as Philly and Dallas, but uh, you know, I, I think they can finish not last. Uh, you know, Keenum drew up the blueprint there did not turn the ball over. That's so huge. That was what Alex Smith did so well, did not turn the ball over, let the defense win games with big plays. Now, the defense didn't create any takeaways, so they weren't able to take advantage of any of those short fields. That's something that will have to happen going forward. Uh, but the blueprints there, you saw it. I, I think Terry McLaurin, man, uh, you know, one game, you don't want to overhype the guy off of one game, but it was a very, very good game. Uh, you, you hold out hope Trent Williams comes back, Jordan Reed comes back. Uh, you know, those are two very potent weapons. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I don't think they beat the Cowboys on Sunday. So you see your 0-2, that, that's the danger is falling into that hole of we're not very good. But your next two games are winnable. The Bears scored three points in their opener, um, and, and the Giants, as I previously mentioned, I think are not very good at football, uh, which is too bad because that's the sport they play. Uh, so, you know, your path is 2-2 two two right there. Yeah, okay, so you've kind of gone through the first four weeks there for us, and then, of course, the Patriots. I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say you don't think they're going to win that game. But <laughs> right, Yeah. Um, what do you see as, you know, kind of a legitimate goal for this Redskins team? Looking at the schedule, I could say worst, I think worst case scenario, this is a five win football team and best case scenario seven and more likely somewhere in between. 
Yeah, I had him at five all through training camp. Then when Miami tanked, I bumped him up to six because I, I think they'll win that one on the road. I, I do think the playoffs is out of reach for these guys. Um, I, I think you want to make strides. I think whenever Haskins gets in, which I think will happen, I think that's when the season really starts. You want to show enough to show that, hey, maybe, you know, if we put a couple pieces around this guy and continue to build on this thing, it's going to be okay. He's a guy we can trust going forward. Uh, to me, that's the that's the biggest moment of the season is these games once Haskins gets in there because um, that's when you find out what you've got for the future and whether he's a guy worth building around. So when we start talking about five wins, seven wins, that kind of discussion, what's what's the number for Gruden to, you know, secure his job? What, what, where, <laughs> what's the, what's the, I guess the bad of him leaving or what, what's enough for him to stay? Yeah. Five, five's gone, obviously. Um, you know, I could see a scenario where they miss the playoffs, but he hangs around. And that is to say uh, that, you know, Haskins comes in, does very well, maybe goes 500 down the stretch and you say he's meshing well with Gruden's offense. Things are all right. So I don't think Jay needs to make the playoffs. Uh, on the other hand, you know, just, Six years is a long time under Dan Snyder. It's longer than anybody's done it. Uh, he's got the itchy trigger finger. I, I think that it's it's easy to say um, that, that you know he's he's probably more likely to be not retained than retained at the end of the season. Uh, but I definitely don't think he'll be fired midseason or anything like that. I think there's too much respect for him in the building. Forecasting that if if he does go, are there are there names that are on your radar? I mean. Even if the offense, if he walks the line of the offense with Haskins is actually going decent, is that something where the offensive coordinator comes in? Is there other young names that have history with Snyder that you would be aware of first? What's what's your thoughts there? Yeah, Kevin O'Connell's the offensive coordinator, considered a, a bright young mind in the game. I, I think he would be uh, a very logical choice. I don't think anybody on the defensive side of the ball uh, would be considered necessarily. Uh, you know, you, you do a, a broad search uh, the question would be how far away you want to go from jay so jay you know is it very much a player's coach that's well documented does that mean you'd go the other way get a disciplinarian a tom tom coughlin type um or do you build on that you know try to build a cohesive identity within the team um you know as for how dan snyder would go man that's a, that's a wide open question <laughs> you'd have to ask whether bruce allen hangs around as general manager to get to make that call too uh, or whether that'll be another general manager's job Real quick, we had the topic a couple of weeks ago where they were talking about the new, the next Redskins stadium, and there was the old RFK site was talked about, which there was news today because they're they're tearing down RFK, and there wasn't actually a lot of positives about them actually building on that site from that news. Um, they talked about them being down near the water, and then they talked about them being out near Dulles. Where do you, where would you prefer them build the next stadium at? And if that's different, where do you think they're going to build it? You know, that, that's a very good question. I think something <laughs> that, yeah, you know, um, the, the three sites that are in play, RFK and D.C., National Harbor in Maryland, yep. uh, and by Dulles, by Dulles Airport in Virginia. You know, those are your three. Um, I think that Dan Snyder and the team and the fans all want to be at RFK. And yeah. frankly, I want to be at RFK, too. Great site, great history. Makes a lot of sense for the Washington Redskins to play in Washington, middle of the city. I think there would be a lot of energy around that. I think that would have very broad support. That is the toughest one to land by far. 
city's got some a, a stake in that. The federal government has a stake in that. Uh, it may even require congressional action to free up the RFK land. So you're talking about a very tall hill to climb there. They're, they're working on it. Um, and that's not to say it won't happen. It's just to say it, this is you know, a very, very tough thing for them to pull off. I hope they do it. Uh, if not, I would consider Virginia a slight favorite over Maryland. I, it's what they know up there in Ashburn. Uh, you know, I, I think they envision a big complex where they would, you know, potentially control a lot of land, have a lot of entertainment options nearby. That's something a lot of teams have done. Uh, the Patriots have done that. The Cardinals have done that, for instance. Um, but job one right now, still getting the RFK site. They're still working on it. Uh, it's it's tough to say if they'll be able to get it done. I, I just say it's very, very hard. All right. The last question we give all of our guests, uh, especially the first time on, uh, what is one thing when you're not watching uh, sports and, and covering the Redskins and, and working, uh, what is one binge show or what's your favorite show that you would recommend for, for people to jump into? Shoot, that's a great question. We've been watching uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine recently. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that, the detective show. Yeah. Um, it's, by, it's by the guy who wrote The Office. I, I get a big kick out of that. Um, I'm a comedy guy. I could watch The Office like on repeat for, for months. <laughs> You're talking uh, to the I'm right not, guys. I'm a simple man. <laughs> Favorite office character. <laughs> um, yes, um, probably Dwight Schrute. Um, yes. I'm trying to think who my favorite character on the fringes is, and it, it might be Ryan the intern. Oh, okay. <sighs> wow. I'm a Stanley <laughs> guy. Sad. Stanley just brings the heat. See, I'm more of a oh. Kevin guy. I love Kevin. Yeah, Joe's a big Kevin guy. Give me a Creed, though, any day. Creed's fantastic. <laughs> I, uh, we were just talking about this the other day when Creed just nails that Hank is the security guard's name and Jim is just so dismissive of like, no, it's not Hank. Like that's, that's like my favorite moment for Creed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Michael, thanks for jumping on with us. We hope to have you again sometime during the season here, hopefully saying positive things about the Redskins for, for these uh, Augusta County fans that are rooting for them's sake. And uh, thanks for coming on with us. You bet. Have a good one. All right, Joseph, D-block time. We're going to talk about us. What is dominating your life? Uh, what did I put? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Finally got to watch some college football. Um, last weekend, obviously, you know, I'll, I'll go back. I went to the family reunion again. Didn't give me a lot of time to watch it. Uh, so this week I went downstairs, watched uh, with the neighbors, um, and I've already talked to Leland. There's a good chance right. that maybe one of them will come on the podcast at some point. That would be cool. Now, it, but are these neighbors? Are they the administration for Robert Morris College? Is this is that their office? No, they're they're not affiliated with Robert Morris. Um, uh, they also get bothered by the. Well, we would complain about the noise, but there's really no one ever there at their games because they don't matter. <laughs> um, it must be hard in that outside your window where Robert Morris plays their home football games. That parking lot. I mean, that's that's got to be hard to handle. It's hard to handle. It was especially awkward for the football team when their daughter drove her little power wheels thing through their game this weekend, <laughs> but um, no one really stopped her. In fact, they ended up saying, yeah, we probably played long enough and they all went home. Um, I don't even know if, I don't even really know if I didn't see any officials. I don't even know if it's really official game or not. Um, but so, so what games did you get to be able to watch? So we watched the Virginia tech game. Huh? He knows I'm a hooky fan. So we watched Virginia tech and I got stressed out um, at a certain point in that game near the end. And then during the Ryan Willis fumble when it's twenty four seventeen, and then um, then we watched Army almost win, which was exciting. We watched Colorado Nebraska, which was a thrilling finish. 
Uh, we watched Clemson, Texas A&M. He, he's a Georgia fan, so we watched Georgia beat the snot out of Murray State. And then we watched LSU, Texas, which, oh, wow. We also caught the end of the BYU-Tennessee game, which, again, Virginia Tech fans don't laugh. But I did laugh. Um <laughs> Because it is a little bit funny. Um, And they also didn't take advantage to take BYU out of the game. They had a chance to go for two. And they didn't do it in overtime. And then in double overtime, they lost. But uh, it was a really great weekend for college football. A lot of good games. A lot of big time games. And a lot of overtime games. Just really made for an exciting weekend. And it reminded me why I love college football. In fact, my next thing is going to be about college football too. But I'll toss it over to you for what's dominating your life. Before I get that, I love this weekend that they they just looked at it legitimately where I think a lot of times they shove all the games at eight o'clock. I loved that like ABC ESPN, all the same decision makers. They said, no, nah, we're going to dominate the rest of your day, three 30 and then seven 30 or eight or whatever time that game was. I loved that. They planned ahead a little better on that than sometimes they do. Cause sometimes ESPN has a great seven 30 game. And then their eight o'clock game is also great. Like mm-hmm. spread these things out people. And I love that the big 10 is putting the games on at noon. Like they're going to, they call it high noon or whatever on Fox. And it's a lot of big 10 games. Uh, it'll be some big 12 games as well. I love that. Like everybody's just trying to spread back out because you can, you can win those blocks if you just spread out, because I think there's a high majority of football fans that are there all day. ESPN is very consciously not making an effort to put a good game on at noon. So that's fine. Um, and yeah, no. Fox Fox looks like they want the noon game. I'm sure the noon ESPN game was a little. Never puts a good game. It's not like they're changing their. It's not yeah, like yeah, yeah. Away. I'm just they saying just they've they've they made an effort to put a good game on at three thirty. They're not going to do that for noon. It looks like. Um, but yeah. you know, if you're a Big Ten Michigan fan, maybe the game at noon was a little too good of a game for your liking. But um, <laughs> it was a good game. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, the Texas Oklahoma game is always at noon, which is oh, I cannot wait for that game. It's going to be a. Yep. Phenomenal. I like that it the is. Red That's River 11, shootout is going to be great right again. Yeah. Are we allowed to call it that? Uh, yeah. No one that's going to podcast. No are. one that's going to be offended is going to listen to this. So yeah. <laughs> Nobody's listening anyway. Oh, <laughs> uh, what is dominating my life? You and I rode up the road to Harrisonburg, watched Virginia Tech play some soccer yesterday. I was in support of uh, co- cousin Kyle Stenzel. Mm-hmm. He's experienced an injury, so he's he's uh, on the sidelines now, not able to get out on the field uh, action. And then as a freshman, probably would be tough as is. Uh, they're a good team. I mean, they're a team with high goals. And so it was interesting to hear some of the comments from him about the players and who was good and, and this and that. And, uh, and also being able to see uh, Kasak from Riverheads, you know, another mm-hmm. local guy, another guy, um, out of Soka, out of the local soccer uh, league here. Um, it was great to see him play. And he's one of the best players on the team. He does a really good job as a defender. He gets to play up a lot as a defender. He, he gets up on that outside, giving a lot of crosses. He handles a lot of the corners. It was awesome to see him play. Virginia Tech won, so it, that's all that matters. It got a little little, little tight there a couple mm-hmm. times against Hofstra. That I, Virginia Tech was the better team. They just Hofstra got one really easy goal and another goal that shouldn't have been so easy i think one of their goals i would give legit so four three tech one but they had to score late to win that one yeah i was also really impressed um he's not from this area but that nick blacklock kid uh number 16 no, we can only like kids that played in augusta county that's well what false i can like good <laughs> soccer players um nick blacklock put some serious bend on the one shot that almost went it was the one that went off the oh, bar yeah. that you and i when he shot it i was like oh sick that was good 
Um, he also had a cross for that uh, earlier goal uh, that went to Strickler. Uh, so they played well. And like you said, they're a good team. They're a top 25 soccer team in the country. Offensively, so they played really well. They are good. Yeah, de- defensively a little shaky there at the end. But again, it's a non-conference game. It's early. They're going to get better as the season goes along, I'm sure. Uh, well, they got UNC this week, so it gets we'll be real rooting for real them. quick. Oh, yeah, it's going to get real. Um, but we'll we'll be rooting for them along the way. It was really fun to watch. And uh, I'm glad Virginia Tech won. Yeah, definitely. I didn't want to be the curse. You know, I didn't want to be the bad luck charm. Oh, no doubt. So, probably yeah, we the got only to see our, game one of our most loyal listeners, too. And that was always good. Yes, always good. I was it's probably the only tech soccer game I'll actually get to make this year. Uh, hopefully in future years, I'll be able to make more. But I'm not going I'm, to a tournament. Not going to the tournament. <laughs> you you hardly get me across the county for a game that oh, we're not covered on the radio. On. I don't know how I'm going to get out of state. <laughs> out of state? Uh, Virginia Tech's in the top 25. I'm sure they'll have at least a home game. Uh, hopefully so. That'd be nice. Oh, sorry, uh, match. Yeah, my bad. What I know that you need to know, uh, and this is uh, um, not a positive subject, but uh, Mike Barber, he was on our podcast last week. His uh, his puppy, his dog, passed away. 14 years he had his dog. I just wanted to bring that up uh, that he's been on the podcast enough. He, you get time on the show that uh, we're feeling for you, man. Uh, we we uh, our, our thoughts are with you. We hope you're – I mean, 14 years, I mean, that's – that's a long time and not that ever losing your dogs a, a, a good time. Uh, but man, w- what an attachment that is. And I haven't had a dog for a long time now, uh, since moving out of my house, going to college. Uh, I miss having a dog. I think we'll get one eventually, but, uh, you know, seeing his tweet about that makes me like, Oh yeah, that's, that's the negative side that comes with pet ownership. Yeah. It's always hard losing a pet. Yeah. So we're thinking about your man and, and I just want to make sure all the podcast people know, what he's dealing with there and uh, everybody's thinking about him. And I know a lot of people can relate. So uh, we're thinking about you, man. Uh, what I need to, what I know that you need to know also came up while I was downstairs with the neighbors. Um, and I think this is maybe part of why I love college football. Just, you know, in the pros, it's great. It's, you know, of course, if you're going to nail me down, yes, it's better football than college football because these people are elite um, and some college teams are not. But when you're watching the college game, and the team scores, and the fans are going crazy, and the band starts playing the fight song. There's some really great fight songs. Look, I wasn't rooting for Tennessee, but I love Rocky Top. And when they play Rocky Top, I can't help it. I was humming along, and again, my neighbor's a Georgia fan, and he just looked over at me and goes, are you humming Rocky Top? (laughs) And I was like, I just love the song. I'm not rooting for him, but I love the song. And, um, you know, I was doing the Texas fight song because he's an SEC guy, so he was rooting for LSU. I was rooting for Texas, so I'm doing the Texas fight song and clapping and hook them. So SEC fans horns. root for LSU. Oh my gosh. Not. It's so disgusting. Leland. I thought LSU would be like, a is, would be on the status of no one roots for you. No SEC fans root for SEC teams when SEC they're not playing each other. Does. I just thought LSU was outside of that. No, no one is. He was rooting for Texas A&M. Like them the most. He was rooting for Tamu too against Clemson. And luckily Clemson won. I was doing the tiger rag. Uh, it was great. I just loved it. The college fight songs are so much fun. They are fun. I miss the old NCAA football on PlayStation because uh, a lot of the years there, they had them like just as the theme, the music, your menu music. Yeah. And I'd memorize. I mean, yeah, you know, I know oh, that's Georgia Tech. Oh, that's, you know. That's yeah, I need to listen to Riverheads again because I haven't quite picked out which school they took theirs from. But again, someone that we were in the press box with was disappointed that Glenvar stole their fight song from Notre Dame. Every Spoiler alert. If you're at a high school, you stole your fight song from a college. It's a yeah. fact. 
There's like 20, 30 fight songs out there. Everybody's just stealing them from each other. Yeah. <laughs> like James, I know James Wood was on Wisconsin. Uh, Sharando's Hail to the Victors from Michigan. We used to play at Riverheads. It was like the Washington Elite Swing was the, the name of the song. Which I don't know if we have to change the name of that or not, but it was the Washington Lee swing. I'll have to ask my cousin how their fight song goes. That makes me think it might be Washington Lee University, but I, I, I can't tell you where they stole from, but I know they stole it from somewhere. I no doubt about that. Um all right. Uh the US Open is just a topic I had because we haven't talked about it all for the last three weeks. It's just like not even on my sports radar. Here's the thing. It's nothing against tennis. I actually kind of like when the majors are going on. I usually try to make time to watch tennis. Unfortunately for the U.S. Open, this fell on like the worst weekend for the U.S. Open in, oh, yeah. in my general interest. Like I said, it was the first weekend I was going to be able to watch college football, so there was 0% chance it was going to pull me from that. And then we went to go watch Virginia Tech, so I didn't get to watch the final with Nadal and Medvedev, although I think technically we probably got back in time for me to watch it, and then I just didn't. Um yeah, the U.S. Open's great. Um, I mean, I'm there were some good existing. stories. Serena went down in straight sets to a teenager, which was pretty surprising. Um, she didn't. She didn't freak out this time, though. No, I think she just got smoked. I, mean, I think that's what yeah. happened. And then uh, Medvedev came up short against Nadal. Nadal is again just him and Federer, man, and Djokovic. I think the only time I've really been like anxious about the U.S. Open it was like when Agassi, that last run he had when he was like old. I was in college. And so we were when the all Americans the were good. It was, yeah, it was the last time an American was good. I, I, that was like the last time, like that was building. He was like, when, when in, and then it was going to be on two nights later. And then he won. And then it's going to be on two nights later. Like we, it was mandatory. Like we were like, all right, we're getting to Todd's by this time. So we can watch him. And then the cool thing was the whole bar was like into it. And like people that probably never watched tennis any other time of their life was, it was into it. So that was a really fun environment. But I really think it was then the last time I was into that. And so we're talking 11, 12 years ago. Yeah, the U.S. Open falls during football season, which is why I don't watch that as much. Wimbledon falls in the middle of summer. I usually do watch Wimbledon. It's also on in the mornings because it's over in England. Um, so that helps, that helps. it. Um, That'll give me like a Sunday morning. I'll give it attention, mm -hmm. but that's about it. Yeah, I, I do like watching Wimbledon. It's fun. Um, so it's exciting. Um, sorry, I didn't watch the U S open, but I'll probably get over it. Hey, I didn't either. You named all four people that were involved in the finals. I couldn't have done that. Oh, that's disappointing. Uh, make sure you're following us for our great tennis coverage on Twitter at yak sports pod. <laughs> we're also on Facebook yak sports pod. You can find us through email yak sports pod at gmail.com. Subscribe on Podbean, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, and Spotify. So you never miss another episode. Tell us what you thought of high school football on Friday. Uh, tell us what you're thinking about college football. Jeff, tell us why college game day needs to bend the rules and go to Charlottesville anyway. Um, and then tell us about how bad UVA is going to be Virginia Tech, and we'll just start bracing now. Uh, until I, don't, I have an argument against that. No, so it's yeah, going to happen. It's going to be disgusting. I might not watch college football ever again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, again, we thank you for everyone who's listening. Please be sure to comment and share the episode so more people can find us and listen to us. And until next week, uh, for Leela McRae, I'm Joe Deck. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.